listening to History, Zoology, and Stories for Kids. Let's begin! Hi friends! Welcome back to History, Zoology, and Stories for Kids! Alright, today we're going to be continuing our Astronomy Edition! So, last episode, we left off when we were talking about Galileo and Gal- Galileo Galilei and the guesses that some people had about stars in the sky and how those and how Galileo and Galilei and others had had gotten punished by their guesses. Well, now we're going to be talking about a space race. So as time passed, astronomers wanted to get closer to these stars and planets. For hundreds of years, people had been working on something that would eventually lead to a way to travel to space, a rocket. Around the year 1000, Chinese people created fireworks which are really tiny rockets. Later, they used them when they found when they fought their battles by strapping fireworks into onto their arrows. The lit rocket shot forward and carried the attached arrow farther and faster than ever. After Isaac Newton's discovery, scientists knew that rockets had to fight against gravity in order to lift off the ground. The more fuel used, the farther the rocket could go. So, the French science fiction writer Jules Verne dreamed of rockets and space travel. His 1865 book, From the Earth to the Moon, described a three-passenger rocket he named Columbite. In the story, the rocket had was launched from Florida, flew into space, and landed on the moon. Actual scientists worked to make Verne's dream come true. In the early 20th century, Russian scientist Konstantin Tchishyov's came up with the idea of using liquid fuel to power rockets. Unlike powder, which fuels fireworks, liquid, liquid fuel can last a long time. It's used to fuel rockets today. American scientist Robert Goddard also used liquid fuel In 1926, his rocket made history by being the first to lift off. Well, now, we're going to take a little break before we get to what happened in October 4. Well, so, let's take a little break, and here are some podcasts that you can listen to too. So here are some podcasts you can listen to. 
it will be great if you support these podcasts too. They're my favorite podcasts to listen to. Check out Forever Ago, Brains On, Smash Boom Best, or Moment of Um. Now, on with the show. October 4th, 1957, the Soviet Union and Confederation of European and Asian countries, including Russia and Ukraine, launched a rocket. The rocket carried Sputnik, the first man-made satellite, into space. In November, their second satellite was launched. This one carried a dog named Laika. The United States was amazed at what the Soviet Union had done. The U.S. also working on developing rockets, but Sputnik's success put the Soviet Union way ahead. Sputnik sparked the start of the space race between the Soviet Union and the United States. Ever since the end of World War II, each of these powerful nations have been had been suspicious of the other. Who had the strongest army? Who had more advanced technology? Soon after Sputnik, the U.S. President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed a bill that created the National Aeronautics and Space Agency, or NASA. NASA's mission, explore outer space. Well, that's it for our astronomy today. Now, we'll get onto our zoology about cheetahs. Stay tuned. Alright, now, for today's zoology, as I said, we're going to be learning about cheetahs, which is also another savanna animal. Okay, let's see. Cheetahs, ah, here. Cheetahs. The cheetah is a unique member of the cat family. It is the only cat that, while hunting regularly, relies on speed rather than stealth. The cheetah is the fastest animal on land over short distances. The magnificent cheetah can reach speeds of about 113 kilometers an hour, which is 70 miles per hour, which is very fast. So, now let's talk about its roar or purr. So the cheetah is commonly referred to as a big cat. However, unlike the true big cats, such as lions and tigers, cheetahs cannot roar. Instead, they purr like domestic cats. Cheetahs are also much smaller in size and are diurnal as they rely on sight and smell and not smell while hunting. The cheetah is the only cat with semi-retractable claws, meaning that the claws are only partially withdrawn in the paw. Despite these differences, the cheetah is often regarded as the smallest member of the big cat family. 
So even part, every part of the cheetah's body is adapted for speed. The cat has a narrow, lightweight body with long, slender legs and a flexible spine. It also has a small head and a flat face and enlarged nostrils that help the cat to breathe in more air while running. It also has a powerful heart, enlarged lungs, and an oversized liver. The cheetah's strong paws give it a good grip on the ground. The long muscular tail of the cheetah helps the cat to keep its balance, especially when making quick turns. Wow, can you imagine if this animal did not have claws or special paws that can grip to the ground when they are running? Now, that would be very tricky. Now, let's think of it this way. Try running around. You're running around your living room or anywhere you are right now with socks, no shoes, and definitely no slippers. Try, but be very careful. Now, you might trip, fall, slip, and maybe even get a little hurt. That's because your socks are slippery, so they're not really built for running. Now, try running around with your running shoes. Much better, isn't it? Because the shoes have special pads on the bottom that help you to run fast, run faster like a cheetah. So the creature profile for our cheetah is the common name cheetah, scientific name Echinox jupatus. They are found in Africa and Iran. Their total body length is 112 to 135 cm or 45 to 55 inches. And the tail length is 65 to 84 centimeters or 26 to 33 inches. Their status is threatened. Fewer than 12,500 cheetahs remain in the wild today. So, let's help these Let's help our friends by reminding people not to chop down trees, not to throw stuff like plastic anywhere but in the rubbish can. So we're going to have our story for today. Now this story is a little bit long. So this episode might be a little bit more longer than expected. Alright, so let's take a short break, then let's, let's read together Paddington and the Marmalade Maze. Alright friends, here is the mystery sound.
captain's friend, Mr. Grouper, took him on an outing to a place called Hampton Court Palace. I think you will enjoy it, Mr. Brown, he said. As they drew near, it's very old and it has over 1,000 rooms. Lots of kings and queens have lived there. Paddington always enjoyed his outings with Mr. Grouper and he couldn't wait to see inside the palace. As they made their way through an arch, Mr. Grouper pointed to a large clock. That's a very special clock, he said. It's not, it not only shows the time, it tells you what month it is. Perhaps we should hurry, Mr. Grouper, said Paddington anxiously. It's half past June already. They hadn't been inside the palace very long before they came across a room which had the biggest bed Paddington had ever seen. Queen Anne used to live in it, said Mr. Grouper. I expect they put the rope around it to stop her falling and out when she had visitors, said Paddington, looking at all the people. This is known as the Haunted Gallery, said Mr. Grouper. They do say that when Catherine Howard's ghosts pass by, you can feel a cold drought. Paddington shivered. I hope she's got a double coat like mine. Mr. Grouper took Paddington to see the next kitchen. To see the kitchen next. In the old days, they used wood fires, he explained. That's why there are su- there is such a high ceiling. There was a lot of smoke. I was hoping they might have some royal buns behind, said Paddington, licking his lips. Talking of buns, said Mr. Grouper, I think it's time we had our lunch. He led the way outside, and they sat down together at the of a pool. As Paddington opened his suitcase, he accidentally dropped one of his sandwiches into the water. It was soon alive with goldfish. They must like marmalade, said Mr. Grouper. I wonder if that's how they got their name. Well, so before we get back to Paddington, let's listen to that mystery sound once more. Here it is. Alright. So what do you think it is? Here's the answer. That was the sound of unfolding a map. So if you guessed that, great job. We would like to hear other suggestions and some story that you've written or maybe even your guess of a mystery sound or maybe you would like to send one. Well, you can check out the link in the description below to check out how you can send those things to us and we'll be sure to put them on our show. Well, now, on with our story. 
So, when they had finished their sandwiches, Mr. Grouper took Paddington to see the great vine. It's very famous, he said. Every year they pick over 500 bunches of grapes. Imagine that, Mr. Brown. I'm trying to, Mr. Grouper, I said Paddington. I think I might plant a grape pip when I get back home. Mr. Grouper chuckled. Chuckled. I'm afraid you will have you will have a long time with the wait, Mr. Brown. He said, "That vine is over two hundred years old." Now, said Mr. Grouper, "Before we leave, we must visit the famous maze. Sometimes it takes people hours to find their way out." I hope that doesn't happen to us," said Paddington. My paws are getting tired. Much to his surprise, the words were no longer sooner out of his mouth than everyone around them began to talk. Hey, that sounds like a great idea, said a man in a striped shirt. Please do wait while I buy a new film for my camera, said a Japanese lady. I've never been inside a real English home before, said, an- said another lady. I hope. I wonder if they serve tea. Oh dear, whispered Mr. Grouper. They must think I'm one of the guys. What shall we do? Mrs. Bird won't be ble- won't be very pleased if they follow us home, exclaimed Paddington. She only has a small teapot. Then he had an idea. Follow me, he called. I think perhaps we ought to go in the maze after all. Are you sure we are doing the right thing? Gasped Mr. Grouper as he hurried on behind. Bears are good at mazes, said Paddington. You need to be in dark. You need to be in darkest Peru. The forests are very thick. Are you sure? And sure enough. Before Mr. Grouper had time to say any more, Paddington led the way out, leaving everyone else inside. However, did you manage to do that, Mr. Brown? Gasped Mr. Grouper. Quickest visit I've ever seen, agreed the man in the ticket office. I used marmalade chunks to to show where we had been, said Paddington. It's something my Aunt Lucy taught me before she went into the home for retired bears. But I thought you had eaten all your sandwiches, said Mr. Grouper. I always keep a spare one under my hat in case I have an emergency, said Paddington. That's something else my Aunt Lucy had taught me. She'll be very pleased when she hears. And he stopped at the kiosk to buy a picture postcard so that he could write and tell her all about this about his day. That night when he went to bed, as well as the postcard and a pen, Paddington took some rope. It's something Queen Anne used to do. He announced, I have a lot to tell Aunt Lucy and I don't want to fall out of my bed before I finished. That's it for our episode today, kids. Thanks for listening.